And boom, what up, y'all? My name is Ian Edwards, and welcome to the Soccer Comic Rant. If you're watching on YouTube, like and subscribe, press that like button. Every video I watch tells people or tells me to press the like button. Sometimes I do it, sometimes I don't, even if I enjoy the video, but I hope you do. And, uh, you know, if you're listening on these other platforms like iTunes or Spotify or Omni Studio, whatever we're on, uh, leave a review about the pod because it helps us to keep bringing it to you all the time. And I never normally say that, but I'm just trying to get more professional at this game. Uh, so many episodes in. And uh, today we're going to talk about the upcoming FA Cup match between Man City and Arsenal. This is a huge game. If even though it's an FA Cup, it has, uh, let's say, Premier League repercussions because this is the young stallions coming for the old studs. You know, that's just what it is. Like Arteta, you know, he's a disciple of Pep. Pep's already worried about Arsenal. He's talking about Arsenal after games he didn't even play against Arsenal. So that's how much he's worried about Arsenal. They come up in every Pep post-game press conference. So he definitely wants to be ready for that game. And uh, then we're going to talk about Southampton versus Newcastle, you know, they played midweek uh, in the uh, semifinals of the Caribou Cup and United played, uh, who did we play? Nottingham Forest yesterday. So we're going to get, get into that and we're going to look into Wrexham coming up in the FA Cup and some other interesting <gasps> FA Cup games or matchups this weekend. So what's up, y'all? What's up, Lee? Hudson, stand-up comic from England, Southampton fan. What's up, fam? How you feeling? Hey, I'm all good. I'm all good. It's, uh, yeah, it's a weird time at the moment with Carabao Cup, FA Cup and stuff. We've got a little wait until the Premier League action uh, picks back up again, but we're last few days of the transfer window as well. Um, oh, yeah. So see if anyone uh, anyone makes some moves. Uh, certainly some clubs that need to, uh, mine included. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting time of year. Did you get anybody, did Southampton get anybody in this transfer window? Uh, yeah, we signed uh, Mislav Orsic from Dinamo Zagreb, the mm-hmm. um, sort of wide forward. Um, and um, uh, Charlie Alcaraz, who's a exciting young centre midfielder from Argentina, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need a centre forward. We need a centre forward badly. Um, that's the one yeah. the fans are all crying out for. Because um, we create chances, we just don't, put them away last two home games we've lost one nil um so hopefully that's a little message to the owners like go and spend some money on a on a striker so that's where we're at <laughs> can't believe shay adams isn't cutting it for y'all so, so surprised <laughs> i mean so i said surprised. at the start of the season i said at the start of the season so he's he's, he's he works hard he's a good guy he's got a good he attitude does. but he's he doesn't get you he's never scored more than nine goals in a season, he's not a double figures across team. all competitions or just in the Premier. In the Premier League, you need a striker in the Premier League that's going to score double digits. Um, otherwise, yeah. you're going to have a problem. Unless you've got like a whole bunch of crazy scoring midfielders and wingers, which we don't. Mm-hmm. We have James. Will, we have James Will Prowse on free kicks, and that's it. Right. Um, so yeah, need a bit more than that. 
Just a question for Shay Adams. You probably can't answer it, but Shay, are you doing everything possible to improve your scoring? Like, are you coming early to practice? Are you staying late to practice? When you go home, are you kicking the ball in your back garden or any place in your house up against the wall? Like, while you're waiting for the laundry to dry, like, what are you doing? Like, just push it a little bit more because the hopes of Southampton's entire survival could be on your legs back. So just do that for my mans and um, <laughs> Lee here. All right, Shay? I don't want to be talking about the championship on this podcast next season, but I might be at this rate. <laughs> yeah, so. man. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, Shay. Please do something. <laughs> so uh, I, we're going to talk about, we got games that did happen. But before we're going to talk about games that did happen, we want to talk about a game that didn't happen yet. Tomorrow, Friday, big FA Cup matchup. It's Arsenal versus Man City. And this is big because this is the leader in the Premiership versus the team that's second in the Premiership playing in an FA Cup game. Uh, Arteta is Arsenal's coach, and he was taught most of the things that he knows about football as an assistant coach under Pep. He also has two of Pep's players playing currently for his Arsenal team, even though Gabriel Jesus is injured. And Pep is very concerned about Arsenal because he mentions them, like I said before, in all his post-game press conferences in games that have nothing to do with Arsenal. And now this one does. So it's like if Pep, wants to see if his message to his team is getting across. He has chance number one out of three to do it tomorrow, you know, to see if his team could put up that fight and the Bruno them could kick it into that winning gear one more time. You know, it's easy for Arteta to get his team up to beat Man City because they haven't really done it, but mentally they seem like they're ready. It feels like this it's their time ahead of what we thought and everybody thought it was going to be their time. And they are going to, this should be a telling match. I'm not going to say whoever wins this match is going to win the Premier League, but it's definitely could have some psychological repercussions for whoever wins or how whoever loses, loses going forward. Like, who do you got in this game? Um, I mean, I think the interesting thing is that they've not played in the league yet, these two. Mm-hmm. Um, they're playing in February and in April, I think, in the league. So there's nothing to really go on yet so far this season with those two guys against each other. So the fact they're playing three times in the space of, you know, the next uh, next sort of three and a half months is interesting. Um, I mean, it's such a hard one to call because like, I, I back City against anyone if City show up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, Arsenal deserve all the respect in the world for what they've done so far this season. Like we, we've spoken about it on previous episodes that this is a different Arsenal. This is, you know, Ars- this is Arsenal where they finally added some mentality to go along with the skill and the technique and the, um, you know, the sort of the attractive football that they play. They're playing it in a winning manner now. They're tighter at the back. They're fighting in games where they, you know, might have crumbled before. So 
um it's it's a really hard one to call um i don't know if there's going to be any rotation from either team just because of the fixture sort of the brutal fixture schedule whether or not you know because arteta's been playing the same starting 11 almost every game um apart from occasionally when someone gets injured or he feels the need to take someone off like ben white came off the other day um but, you know, and Ketch has been starting up top every game. It's always been Martinelli on the left, Saka on the right. Um, Odegaard with Partey and Jacker behind him. Um, I'm not sure he has many people to rotate with because I think Elneny got injured this week and they're talking about they might need to bring in a, a centre midfielder as cover. Um, so I don't know if Arsenal can rotate. City have got the, the deeper squad. So I don't know if um, Pep or he might want to rotate just because they've not been, some of those players haven't really been doing it. Um, as well, obviously they they turned it around against Wolves and and trashed them and turned it around against Spurs after the poor first half they had. So um, I feel like City are coming back into form, which means I would probably just go with City at a real like smidge because they're at home as well. Um, but I mean, it's like I say, so hard to call with the way Arsenal are playing right now, and they seem to be relentless. But I just don't know if maybe it's a game too much for their sort of thin squad and they might end up rotating and putting people in that are going to cost them. I don't know. Um, if Arsenal go full strength, they could get something, but at what cost? Because there's league games coming up soon as well. I feel like Arsenal has to try to win this game because they want to be at full confidence when they face City in the league and uh, mm. if they could go to City and win there then that's this will definitely boost their confidence and I, I feel like the last season Arsenal lost this game against City where in the first half they created multiple chances didn't put them away and then they made some mistakes like just like immature mistakes for how young they were back then those mistakes made sense. And then somebody got sent off. It might have been Xhaka. And City kind of won a game they were being outplayed in. But now, this is a better Arsenal, like we always discuss on this show. And their mentality is right. And if I just look at how both teams have been playing over the season, even though Man City started like really bright with Haaland and they still have Haaland, I just think this Gunners team hits different. And I just think it's it's tough to, it's just, I'm not even looking at like, it, the way they're playing almost makes me want to ignore that Man City has a Haaland. And I know Arteta is really going to get his, these kids up for this game and Pep is panicking a little bit and even though it's away at Man City I'm going to just give this to Arsenal and I hope Arsenal wins it because I want Pep to be rattled and I want to see how he's going to deal with this going forward and that squad at Man City is going to deal with this going forward into the league games it'll just be interesting you know just make things interesting and uh so i'm gonna go arsenal just because 
Haaland's a force, but the entire Arsenal squad is a force. And I feel like they have more depth than we think because you don't want, they don't want Partey to get injured, but I feel like Sinchenko could fill in that role and they still have like left backs to back him up to fill in his role. Like, uh, I forgot the name of the Asian dude right now, but and also Miyasu. Tierney. Yeah, yeah Tomiyasu and Tyranny. And uh, something happens to Odengard. Everybody's forgetting how good uh, Smith Rowe is, even though he's probably not match fit. I don't know if he's fit, but he's pretty, pretty good. And uh, they have some other players here and there that could like sub in and do roles. So, they have that that I think he's Portuguese. He played in the first game against Manu. Fa- Fabio Vieira. Vieira, yeah. So mm. he's got some abilities. He's just like waiting for his t- chance to get in there. Then didn't they buy two guys or at least one guy this week last week? Like who did they get? Jokob? Is that they're the one that got Jokob, right? The defender? Uh, the, the Polish. They they signed the Polish the, defender. The Polish defender. He also can play, uh, I was looking at a video of him, like people talk, he can also play midfield too, yeah. like uh, like Partey's position. So I think they, they're, they're on the low, sneaking in their depth, you know? But uh, yeah, injuries can hurt anybody, but injuries probably hurt Man City less just based on their more depth. So I'm going to go Arsenal because if Arsenal wins, it shakes even the Premier League up. So I'm, I'll, I'll go Arsenal for the interest of that. Uh, now, midweek, you guys played Newcastle. And, like, mm-hmm. what did you think of your performance versus Newcastle in the Caribou Cup? I mean, I think Newcastle... <laughs> Newcastle deserved the win um, at times. Like, there were little spells in the game where we gave them a game. Mm-hmm. Um, we were kind of unfortunate with the goal that got disallowed because it's one of those ones where, yes, technically it's the ball's hit his hand, but it's not an intentional handball. The arm isn't in an unnatural position, but there's the rule mm-hmm. now that says if it touches the hand and it goes in, then it's mm-hmm. it's no goal. And that's the rules. So that's fair because they've been doing that all season to people. Um, like there was one Rashford mm-hmm. had the other week um, oh, man. where the ball bounced up and hit him and went in, but it's like, well, what can he do? Like, there's no way you can not do that. <laughs> it's, uh, I know it was on his body. And if the ball yeah. hit his body, it would have went straight into the net too. So it was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's kind of what this one was like with Armstrong. So, um, you know, that happens. Um, you know, they, I mean, stats wise, they had slight, it was like 56, 44 possession. We both had three shots on target. So, but I, I feel like Newcastle, like just, you know, to the eye, Newcastle were, the better team. Um, Their chances were probably a bit more clear cut than ours. Um, Like Mm -hmm. I say, we lacked a little bit of that cutting edge. Um, And Chaleta Saar got sent off towards the end of the game. And uh, the one thing I think that might work in our favour for the second leg, even though I don't, I don't think we're going to go through, but (laughs) as Chaleta Saar was, um, he was sent off for fouling to maximum. He was going to go through clean on goal and he just tripped him. Um, so, you know, it was, it was one of those fouls where, okay, we might have gone 2-0 down, so he might have saved us a little team. bit there. Right. Yeah. Um, but Newcastle's 
guys ran over to the ref and surrounded him and demanded the next card, even though the ref was going to give the card anyway. So they were kind mm-hmm. of behaving a little bit, a little bit shitty. Um, and then Jacob Murphy, one of their players, he, as our player was walking off, I don't know if they'd had some beef during the game or something, because he wasn't involved in the decision. Um, mm-hmm. But Jacob Murphy was just going like that to him mm-hmm. and just wave, just giving him like a little sarcastic wave. Mm-hmm. And like that, that should be playing on loop in the dressing room <laughs> before the second leg, like get these guys fired up to go. And I, I don't even care if we don't win the game. Someone go and smash Jacob Murphy for being a, being a dick um that would be a win in my book now um if i was if i was eddie howe i wouldn't play him in the next game because someone's going to go through him um in that next leg for sure uh, <laughs> but like hopefully that fires the players up a bit a bit of motivation but i mean like newcastle were just solid they don't concede goals so if you're going to nope, score against don't. newcastle like you need to earn it and we didn't have enough about us to to really do that in this game and I, I don't think we're going to have enough about us to do it up at their place so um, there were some useful aspects to the game like since we signed um, Orsic from Dinamo Zagreb he's not been able to he's played very few minutes off the bench because he's been getting up to speed and finding his fitness because he mm-hmm. had a break after the World Cup and he started this game so it gave him a chance to play a game from the start and get those minutes in his legs um, Alcaraz, the Argentinian centre midfielder, he was really impressive. Actually, I was surprised by how good he was already. Um, it's like with sometimes with players from South America, it's a real like culture change coming into the Premier League, mm-hmm. um, especially like the speed of the game because Ar- Argentinian football is very physical. Um, mm-hmm. That's not a problem, but the game's a lot slower out there. It's a lot more tactical, um, whereas it's a bit more transitional and quick in the Premier League but he seems like he can cope with that already and he's only 20 years old as well so he looks like a really uh, a really exciting player um, and Orsic looked decent as well so those two guys were probably two of our best performers and they're the new signings so that's what you want from new guys coming right. in and, and setting a high standard um, so we'll see like I say I'm, I'm not feeling overly confident for the second leg just because of how good and how solid Newcastle are I don't think they're going to let a lead slip um, but you know, we beat City in the round before. So, I mean, nothing's impossible in football. But if, you know, if someone put my gun to my head and said, who's going to go through, then, I mean, you're going to say Newcastle. Um, right. You've got to really. But, I mean, the last time we played Newcastle at home was the game when Hasenhutl got fired afterwards because we got trashed by them. Um, <laughs> so, even for this one to, you know, to actually be in the game for the whole game and, to only lose by one goal because they didn't rotate Newcastle really. The front line was Jalinton, Wilson, Almiron. You know, they had Gimaresh, Willock, uh, Longstaff in there. At the back, mm-hmm. they had Shah, Botman, Byrne, Trippier, Pope in goal. So they didn't really like rotate. Whereas we gave two players their like starting debuts, like say Orsic and Alcaraz. So Gineppo and Mara went back into the team. Adams got benched. Um, Dozy got benched. So yeah, we rotated a little bit for ours. So there's there's some positives to take from the game. It was useful. I think that's the minimum I can say for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I say, no no real expectations from me in the second leg. Uh, I'm going to go to the Man U game, but I do want to talk about your game a little bit. Like, I felt you guys played good for spells, like you said, and mm. they put some a decent amount of moments of fluidity and like 
oh, that's good control. That's a good flip pass to another. That's a good one-two. That's good comboing through the middle of the field. That's good uh, stopping them from going down your middle and winning the ball back and turn the counterattack into a press. It was, it was like a lot of that. And it was a back and forth game. And it wasn't until like Isaacs came on because I don't think he started. That, yeah, he you didn't. Know, yeah, his fresh legs. And he's a high quality player. And, and they could bring stuff off the bench that you guys don't even have an experience and just in, in talent. Like, yeah, you know, when you can bring was, Isak and St. Maximum off the bench, that's you're, you're yeah. in a pretty good position. <laughs> yeah, you're, 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 that's like good luck, whoever you're facing and being wearing down the entire game. It's almost like a, a yeah, definitely the rope dope. I think you put it in the thing. And then Isak <laughs> just faked right, went left, went down the line and crossed that ball in. And Joe Linton, who, when Newcastle bought him, couldn't score to the point that they made him a midfielder. And now he's scoring his ass off. Like, to me, Joe Joe Linton was the first Almiron of that team. Like, he couldn't score just as bad, much as Almiron couldn't score. Now, they're both scoring. Like, no matter what position, like, you put Joe Linton in, he'll play left wing uh, or left midfield, and he's getting those goals. But yeah, so it was, and it just was just that moment. They couldn't get much more. And I think, is it Willock? He blew some chances. Like, he mm. blew some, like, he had some glaring misses that he's going to have to make up for to those uh, Newcastle fans, like in matches coming up. But I, I felt like for a new coach, like, it's good that you guys were in this contest, even if you get knocked out, which I, I'm not saying you guys are going to get knocked out. Like, uh, I feel like to have these games, you got two new players, you got a new coach to like practice your shit and your style in so that it doesn't cost you points in the Premier League so that you could go down. So you guys can get to know each other, this new system. It's like, it's almost like free preseason football in the middle of the season. Like, like, say you lose you one more game of chemistry for a team that needs to have its maximum chemistry in order to stay up. So being in this contest this far is good for Southampton, just period. And, uh, yeah, but it's, they only beat you by one. I know you're going to go on the road. And normally, and Newcastle is right now, they don't let goals in, plus they're going to be playing at home. but. You know, these are the type of contests, man, that anything could happen. And it'd be crazy if, like, Nathan Jones gets Southampton up for this game and they do something. That'll, like, definitely boost their confidence for the Premier League against the number three team in the Premier League in a competition that's not in the Premier League. So, yeah, anything's possible. And, and, and the reason why I bring that part up last is for the United fan bases that have podcasts that are talking about, we are going to win this contest because we beat Nottingham Forest three, nothing. And they just don't believe that Newcastle is real. If we have to face them in one game at Wembley, like, and think like it's a non, it's a 
going to be a formality. Put some respect, first of all, on Nottingham Forest because crazier things have happened. Like Messi and the boys came to Liverpool with a how much of a lead did they have? When they came to play, I can't Liverpool remember. It was it was decent. Three it might have been four. like yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Liverpool won. And none of these teams are on this level. But like, like the craziest scores have happened in football. I know Ten Hag has been solid, and he's actually really good. Man United actually been really being good at beating teams like Forest, but. We're not, I don't want us to take this for granted. I don't want us to like have our heads in the air. Like, look at this team. Like, we looked at all teams at this level, and let's beat Nottingham Forest in the second leg at home first. And then after that, I want maximum respect paid to Newcastle because they're above us in the table. So, and and they've been racking up points since the end of. Last season, the second half of last season, they racked up just as much points or close to the amount of points as Man City and Liverpool, and they're doing it again this year with the exclusion of Liverpool. They're up there. Like, this team is not a joke. Eddie Howe has got this. We're talking about mentalities. This team, Newcastle, got a mentality. Nobody from any United fan base or website or channel should be like, we got this. No, this is a real challenge. And people are going to be disappointed and want to shit on the United team if we lose because of our fans' ignorance to how good Newcastle actually is. You go add up their point total. Go look at how many goals they've not let in. Go look at all that shit before and look at like the players that we mentioned that they got coming off the bench. And... To, like just to add to forwards, this is not a formality. We don't got this. Just slow your roll and support as maximally as you could, because playing Newcastle is going to be rough. Uh, so, just going back to the Forest game, uh, we played good. There were some scary moments in the first half, like Newcastle countered us a bunch of times. Got the ball from Casemiro, and uh, and we dodged one when uh, they put the ball in the back of the net, but it was offsides. And uh, but overall, like we turned in a solid professional performance. And Marcus Rashford, speak of solid professional performance, th- that first goal was like above and beyond. <laughs> he completely wrecked the left side, the right side of Nottingham Forest's defense. It's like, you know, you see those videos of like people on ski trips and they on one of those triple diamond uh, uh, courses and they're just going in, in amongst the trees. That's how we went through the Forest players. And uh, it's, it's pretty embarrassing to any of those players that have relatives watching and just like god damn rashford like like i'm not saying it just 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 that the dribbling through like even thomas Partey is like i thought it was bad what he did to me 
last weekend at at Arsenal. Like he went through the farce defense and scored with his off foot. Like they weren't even there. That's when Farce was like, oh shit, we're not we're not we're not ready for this game yet. We gotta get ready for this game. It started. So that was a master goal. And then Weghorse, you know, getting the goal in his third game, good for him. First week at United's played three games. And it's been a hold up man. And that goal will give him more confidence and he'll get more into the team and feel more involved and like start expressing himself more. He's done some good one-twos and combination plays. So he doesn't lose the ball when you kick it into him. And man, that physical, those Forest defenders are physical. Like when you turn your back to them, you know what I mean? They get physical. They'll shove you to the, to the halfway line if they're behind you, right? They're mad physical. And, uh, but yeah. And then Anthony, yeah, I think Anthony's getting better. Uh, a lot of people have lost patience with him, but he's a brand new player. He's in a different league and he's one footed, but you can see him trying to use his right foot. Now he needs to open up to the right sometimes. Cause sometimes Juan Basaka overlaps and gives him an option to pass through, but he's so left footed. He doesn't even see it happening on that side of him. So he, he's, he's just not, He's so left-leaded footy, he's not even inclined to not only just dribble down the right side, to even look for an overlap. So this is, this is a process. Do you feel like Anthony has regressed a little bit since he first joined? Because he was like, he was on it when he first came in. Like he scored against Arsenal, I think, and against Tottenham. You, you know, um, and he was you know almost like, pe- people didn't know what he was about. He was like this unknown quantity almost. It, it, he surprised people. Like, mm. he scored a goal that I see a lot of people in that Arsenal game, that first match, that a lot of people are trying to score now. Or I've seen, since he scored it, a lot of people are scoring mm. it. And then people are just hip to it. Like, you fake right, and then you just, bam, with your left. Or as you're shooting the ball, left, you go right at the same time, so it looks like you're kicking it right, and then it goes left. So everybody's hip to that. Or everybody's talked to it, talked to their defenses about it. And uh, but he's gonna learn to go left, to go right, and he's gonna be even more lethal. What he did do in this game, a bunch, once a bunch of time, was instead of staying outright, they'll let Wambasaka just be on the right, the, the you know, touching the touchline, and he'd come up the middle, so he'd be more in a position to use his his uh, his left foot without trying to beat anybody. He just goes straight up the middle of the pitch, like. Uh, Casemiro found him there on the shot that he took that Wagos put the rebound in and then he did it like a couple more times. So he's kind of cheating, like just coming up the middle if Rashford ain't in there. And there's also been a lot more switching between him and Rashford, which they didn't do in the first few games that they played together. So they've been doing that. But uh, he'll figure it out. He's 22. Anybody wants to trip on him? He's 22. Like, yeah, you want your player to, to sometimes you have to get worse to get better. And that teams have definitely studied him and like try to shut down his strengths. So he's going to have to create new strengths, mm. you know, talking of um, getting worse to get better. Um, 
So Ajax haven't been doing that great since Ten Hag and Anthony mm-hmm. left. They um, <laughs> they played uh, Volendam today, who were like third bottom in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, they were one nil down. Ajax. They uh, mm-hmm. Kudus scored to bring it back to one one. Mm-hmm. Um, so they got a one one draw. They're fifth in the league behind Twente, PSV, AZ, and Feyenoord. Um, and they sacked their manager at the end of the game. So the guy who replaced Ten Hag, he got fired like immediately after the game. Um, so they're having a bit of a, a tough time adjusting to, you know, new manager, um, losing, you know, Anthony was like a key player for them as well. So, um, yeah, it's not going, not going great for them this season. They're not used to, I think, being that far down the table. Um I mean, Feyenoord are running away with it a little bit this season. They're already seven points ahead of Ajax. But, I mean, that's not mm. insurmountable. Right. But, yeah, it's a tight league. PSV might fall off a bit now. They've lost uh, Gakpo and uh, Madueke as well. So, mm. that'd be interesting. But, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to uh, get their next appointment right. Who knows? See if they go for one of their merry-go-round appointments where they just get De Boer back or something. Or Cumin or something, and do one of their. Uh... <laughs> so, so how many points behind Feyenoord are they? Seven, seven, right? Which is not bad. Yeah. It's not insurmountable. And no, you no, said no. Ten, Ten Hag left, Anthony left. Not only is Anthony, we have Martinez left, and their leading yeah, scorer Martinez as well for the last two years is at Dortmund, who just recovered from cancer treatment. So, yeah, like. So you only at this point be seven points behind in the league and be like, fire this guy. It's like, and plus they had like trouble in the front office where didn't they lose? Over, over Mars, yeah. He over got, Mars. He had some allegations and and stuff. And yeah, he ended up stepping down. So yeah, it's been like, a, it's been a bit what of a uh, setup. What a setup on this poor coach. <laughs> like when I heard about it, like I was like, 10 I call him, get him to United. Like, add him to the staff. <laughs> like, he was Ten Hag's, like, one of his people when at Ajax, right? Like, when he was there, that's what I'm, I'm assuming. Like, he got promoted as soon as Ten Hag left. So, I'm like, bring him to the Premier League. Add to your staff. And let's, <laughs> let's, let's all win out of this situation. And if they're going to, like, this, this guy, like, act like he's some failed coach when you took away, like, you, you collected all this money for these pieces whether you wanted to get rid of those pieces or not. And then it's this guy's fault. Fuck it. Come to United. We treat you right. <laughs> oh. um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's one of those things in football, isn't it? When a manager leaves and like you say, key players leave, a team goes into like a transitional cycle. Sometimes teams can regenerate really quickly with smart recruitment. Um, mm-hmm. And other times it takes them a season or two or sometimes longer to figure out um, I think in the Dutch league, there's, you know, it's it's competitive enough league, but there's there's a real like drop off after the top teams. So mm-hmm. it's not quite as ruthless as the Premier League where you saw it with Arsenal, you know, after, I mean, even towards the end of the Wenger era, they, they fell right off. And then under a couple of managers, they just, yeah, under Emery, they didn't really get anywhere. And then it took them a while to, you know, until this season really to become a challenger again. United after Fergie left. Um, yeah. it's been it's it's been a lot of transition. So yeah, they um, just David Moyes them over there. <laughs> exactly. So f- football's yeah, football's all about cycles, and yeah, sometimes 
those cycles can take a little bit longer when it's a rebuild process and seems what they're going through there at the moment. Yeah. I'm just going to slide over to the FA Cup because you mentioned before we started like some interesting matchups. So mm -hmm. there's uh, United versus Reading. And tell me why that's interesting again. Uh, Paul Ince, Man United, uh, you know, stalwart of the 90s, playing in that mm -hmm. centre midfield. Um, he's coming back. He's Reading manager. His son plays for the Reading team as well, uh, Tom Ince. So that'll, mm -hmm. be, um, that'll be a fun game. They're, um, they're an okay team. They're sort of right in the middle of the championship at the 14. moment. If they put, yeah, if they put a win together, if they put like a run of wins together, they can still make playoffs like they're not that far off of it um i mean let's have a look who's the team at the end of oh. the playoffs middlesbrough but they're only five points off middlesbrough who are in the final playoff place so that league is really compacted um which is typical of the championship it's such a like ultra competitive league with so mm -hmm. many teams um so they're not like they're not a million miles off and um yeah reading's uh They're, they're a solid little club. They've had a bit of instability off the pitch. Their owners aren't the best, but Ince has been doing okay there. They're capable of of playing well. I mean, you should win that one fairly comfortably, even with some changes in your team, I'd expect. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes down. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see what sort of response Ince gets. Like I say, he's sort of a club legend, not one of the big legends, but he was there during the Fergie sort of beginning here in the 90s yeah when uh he left obviously before you know the the real success like the treble era and stuff he he was mm -hmm. he left just before that but mid 90s he was there when they were just winning back to back to back titles um and stuff and he was one of the you know solid players in that center midfield so um yeah he should uh, he should get a good reception i'm sure he's been back with teams before like he was blackburn manager for a little bit when they were in the premier league So he mm -hmm. probably came back to Old Trafford then at some point, but that was that was a while ago. So he's yeah, it's his first visit back in a while, I think. It's tough. It's hard for me to like figure out how I feel about Ints, you know, because the you know the main stuff you're saying is like he was with United back in the day in the beginning of Fergie, and they win won a bunch of things like back to back leagues and stuff like that. And I know he was like a linchpin in that, but then we got rid of him and we continued to do that and even do even better. And then uh, th he went to Arsenal. Did he go to Arsenal? Or uh, I think he went to Inter Milan was his move after United. But he did end up like playing for like one of our like lead. He went to Liverpool. He went to, he went to Liverpool, Liverpool. Um, at one point, yeah. Yeah, I think he went so to Inter like, and then back to Liverpool, then came back to, yeah, United into Liverpool. Yeah, so it's tough to think about a guy that played for like us, but then Liverpool, which you can't always hold against somebody. You go to where they they want you. But then when I hear him like being interviewed about United sometimes, like there is this like, you, you could feel when somebody has something against United. You know what I mean? And it could be because maybe he wanted to stay there and be a part of what was going. I don't know what the circumstances was around his departure, but I kind of feel like he has this resentment. Like I feel it and I hear it when he's talking about United, especially when we're not doing good. 
you know, like it's there. It's pretty evident to me. So then because of that, mostly like his post United interviews or criticism, like I understand when ex new United players like Keen and Skulls and them do it more. It's <laughs> probably the same thing, but, uh, I don't know something about ints, and also something about ints is it, it, it's tough. Like in America, when you're black American, if you don't sound a certain way, they say you're kind of like a sellout. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like there's this criticism of you, like not being black enough. And then, so. Is tell me if this is true. Is that that vibe about ints in England? Because I can't tell the difference between English accents. <laughs> uh, it's not anything I've heard leveled at him before. No. Um, no okay. <laughs> All right. I just, I just, I don't know. I also sense that, but <laughs> I, I, and and it shouldn't even be anything I bring up. But I, I just like. I just, I guess I just wanted to know, like, how do people, black people in England feel about, like, ints, you know, like, as, as, as a black man. But uh, he's old school, and he's all about hard work and putting your head down. And, you know, and I'm glad he's at Reading because a lot of black coaches, especially even in the championship, that's pretty you know, it, it, it's good for a black coach to have a job in the championship. We should have more jobs in the Premier League, much less the championship. So I wish him success, but not on Saturday against us <laughs> in the FA Cup because I don't want his resentment to beat us. So <laughs> that's the interesting thing about this match. Uh, another interesting match we brought up in the FA Cup this weekend was... Wrexham versus who are they playing? Sheffield United. Sheffield United. And tell us why this Wrexham thing is interesting. Uh, I think they're the the smallest club left in the competition. Uh, I might be wrong. There might be another championship or there might be another National League team left in. Um, mm-hmm. Just trying to have a look at what, the draw. What is I think... the National League exactly? Uh, so it's the fifth division of English football. So you've obviously got Premier League, Championship, League One, League Two, um, and then the National League underneath that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's the fifth tier. Um, I'm just having a look now. Accrington Stanley, a League Two, they're still in. Um, Fleetwood, I think, might be League Two or League One. Just looking at these teams. Grimsby are League Two. So there's, there's, there's a handful of League Two teams. Stevenage as well, obviously after they beat Villa. Um, so yeah, yeah Wrexham are, are officially the the lowest um, lowest ranked team in the competition now. Um, mm-hmm. Although they have profile um, because right. owned owned by obviously Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElney of uh, of TV Hollywood film fame mm-hmm. and everything. So um, yeah, there's obviously there's a lot of um, attention on them. There was the the documentary. Um, on Disney Plus as well about them, about their involvement mm-hmm. in the club, and they they seem to be getting a lot of stuff right there. They've raised the profile of Wrexham without doing it in a in a tacky way. They've um, they've brought like new support to Wrexham. They've brought new like commercial deals to them, and 
they travel over for the games quite regularly as well. Um, like every few months, they seem to come over and, and watch the games and they seem to be very, like they'll put money in, but they're not trying to like, influence much. They're mm-hmm. just being like, we're going to help you kind of thing. Um, and everyone seems like, to love them. Yeah, they're not spoiling <laughs> yeah. their kids. They're like, here's some help, but dig yourself out the gutter. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's like they seem to be doing it in the right way and they're top of the National League this season. Um, they got a big budget for that division, so you'd kind of expect that. Wrexham historically were a sort of a League Two team. That was kind of their level. Um, and then they dropped into the National League a few seasons back and they've kind of stayed there and stagnated a little bit. Um, but they're sort of historically a reasonable size club. They're quite a... Because they've sort of got their own large catchment area in the north of Wales because all the other Welsh teams that play in the the English leagues are down in the south of Wales. So Cardiff, Swansea, um, people like that. Newport County, who are a little bit lower down their league two, they're they're down the south as well. Um, And then Wrexham and North Wales, they're sort of, they kind of got that to themselves in terms of the size of the club. So um, yeah, it's it's interesting to see how they're getting on. like I say, they're, they're flying high. They're top of that league. I think they knocked out Coventry, I think it was, in the in the previous round. Um, I might be wrong on that. Let me just have a little look. Yeah, no, Reading knocked out Coventry. Did they? I thought yeah, it was Wrexham. I might be wrong. Because, um, let me see. Whose thing am I on? Let me see. <laughs> Oh, no, they beat Coventry in the third round. Rex oh, up 4-3. Oh. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's um, it's a fun story. be interesting to see if they can progress another round or, you know, playing against championship opposition might be... I mean, it wasn't uh, too much for them when they played Coventry, but Sheffield United, I think, are a bit of a stronger team. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, let's have a look. Sheffield United are second in the table. So, um, you know, Coventry... Uh, Coventry are fifteenth in the table, so it's a real, it's a, it's another level of opposition for them. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see if they can uh, see if they can do it. And is it are they fully pro? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Most almost every almost every team in the national league is. I think all of them are now. Um, okay. So some aren't fully pro. Uh, I don't know if this season they might all be pro now, but historically, um, mm-hmm. like when I was. When I was young, um, that league was completely semi-pro. Oh, um, I was I was in like the reserve teams of a couple of teams in that division um, oh, when I was a teenager. Um, mm-hmm. Couldn't I was a goalkeeper, so I couldn't really break into the first team as a teenager. Like no one wants to play the mm-hmm. 17, 18 year old goalkeeper. <laughs> um, they're like, oh, if, if the you know if, if the if the twenty eight, twenty nine year old first choice goalkeeper gets injured, it's like, can we get someone on loan? We don't want to put this. Oh, we don't want to put this skinny kid in the because uh, <laughs> um, I was a skinny kid, not now, but um, <laughs> back then. So um, yeah, I was around a couple of teams at that level, and uh, yeah, back then I know that the teams were were semi pro. They were still getting paid an okay amount, but the players all had other mm-hmm. jobs as like personal trainers or things like that or teachers and like mm-hmm. PE teachers but um, yeah it's it's pretty much an, another one of the professional divisions now there's even some teams in the division below 
Um, Because the National League is fully national, but then it splits into a north and south division if you go down to the sixth tier. Um, And there's even some teams in those divisions that are fully professional now. Um, So it's, um, yeah, it's crazy that such a small island can can sustain so many pro football clubs. Um, It's like a club for each person. (laughs) <laughs> it's like how do they even get people in these stands to watch these games to make the money to be like England is really football crazy like way more than I thought I knew they were football crazy but they prove it yeah. on a day-to-day club-to-club basis man that's bananas good for them yeah it's, yeah, it's pretty mad but yeah Wrexham are very professional they signed a few players from like the leagues above as well mm-hmm. um, there's a there's a centre forward there called Paul Mullen who he was top scorer in league two for Cambridge uh, Cambridge United and they got Cambridge United got promoted but he chose to leave them and leave the chance of going into League One he's like I want to be finishing, on Netflix yeah after finishing top scorer in League Two he went he dropped down a division rather than go up with his team um, to go play for pay? those guys did he go <laughs> yeah. up and pay yeah, <laughs> he, yeah he's, he's getting paid more so that's the power that Wrexham have with their budget um, let me just have a look at National League top scorers to see where he is because me and my friends always used to bet on him when he was Cambridge when he was playing oh, for Cambridge yeah. bet on him to, to score um, it was like a, a surefire bet he scored 20 goals already this season in um, how many for, games uh, for Wrexham I'm not sure how many games he's played he's only he's only second top goal scorer in that league though someone scored 22 um, so yeah they're doing okay um, but yeah, I mean, they should cause Sheffield United problems. Whether they've got enough about them to win against such a strong opposition, I don't know. But it'll be an interesting uh, interesting game to have a look at. All right. Yeah, I'll see if I... I'll see what time their game is and see if I can, like, actually check out Rex and play. The, the funny thing about the documentary, like, every person I know that knows I pay attention to soccer has only watched the documentaries on, I think it's Netflix, and then started talking soccer to me. And like their knowledge of like the tier system and promotion is startling. Like I'll be, be talking to like people who don't even watch American sports and they're telling me, yeah, and if you do this in Bethlehem, and, and I'm like, damn, damn, this documentary series has done wonders like, you know how difficult it has been for me over the years to explain relegation and promotion <laughs> to like American people. It does not exist here. And then for like for them to be telling me about that shit, I was like, yeah, thanks. It was so tough to like tell it to even somebody who paid attention to sports in America that, that shit. But now they completely understand it. So I haven't seen the documentary yet, but I, I know it's done a good job in explaining relegation and promotion to like it's American fan the base and new Wrexham fans so that's dope <laughs> it's so crazy alright so listen man that's all we really got we got those games you want to talk about Lampard getting fired we hinted at it we prodded at it and uh, it kind of happened and then it did happen and Frank you 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 got the shaft, man. You you went to a team that sold its leading scorer for that season, and you spent thirty one million pounds, I think. And you should have just spent that thirty one mil on like a forward, because that's who you really needed. And 
so you spend it on like Mopi and some other people and a bunch and that's just 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 get a forward and now I think Bielsa is Bielsa taking this job um he's 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 flown into the country he was spotted at Heathrow today he's coming to the country but there's the talk is that he's not fully convinced by the squad they have that it can play his football um one of the things we spoke about in the chat today was let me convince him Bielsa no don't do it (laughs) I want to convince you to not do it don't this is a Sean Dice job, bro. <laughs> it's got some of his former players there. Like, Bielsa, this is not the type <laughs> of dudes that you should be. It's just not. It's just Ancelotti yeah. couldn't do it, Bielsa. Marco <laughs> Silva couldn't do it, Bielsa. Martinez couldn't do it, Bielsa. <laughs> Lampard couldn't do it, Bielsa, even though you're way better than Lampard. It just, just don't do it, fam. Don't. If anything... Uh, we probably have more of the profile of players that would have suited a Bielsa appointment mm. because he like he likes teams that work hard and have young moldable players, which is what we have. So he he potentially would have been a good fit um, for our squad because that squad was already used to pressing under Hassan Hull. Um, mm-hmm. The style of football in, in possession is very different under Bielsa, so they would have had to learn that. But we've got quite a lot of young technical players now, so he would have been potentially a good teacher for them. But um, we spoke in the chat about the fact that, you know, Everton have looked, they've looked at Bielsa, they've looked at Dyche, they've looked at Hassan Huttle. Apparently, they've looked at, um, this would be an interesting one, Ancelotti's son, Davide, um, who was part, he's part of Ancelotti's staff at every club he goes to. So he's obviously learning from, from his dad. Um, but he was linked as well because he was with him at Everton. So he knows the club. Um, yeah. And there's obviously, you know, He's had a good teacher. Um, but yeah. the fact that they've been looking at such a variety of candidates who play different types of style of football would worry me if I was an Everton fan because it means the board don't understand what type of squad they have. They don't know what type of team they want to be. Um, I, I, think, I, think they, I think they do, but they also like, we could play exciting football and that'll make the fans not want to kill us if you get Bielsa. <laughs> Even though they, yeah. this is not the, it's not the, yeah, I think they're thinking, that's the only thing you could be thinking if you're thinking Bielsa. There's like, if the fans don't like the style of football, but this is a Sean Dyche team. And I was listening to some stats, and Everton's defensive record is actually, is it good or decent? Like, maybe I'm mixing that up. I don't want to say that. <laughs> And then it's not, but it's, they need to like start defending better and grinding out games and getting a point here and here because you have no scorers unless, you know, what's his name is fit, which I don't know if he is or Calvin-Lewin. Calvin-Lewin, yeah. And then just to be that one man forward. He's played some games recently. Um, It sounds like Gordon might be leaving to Newcastle though. Um, he's mistraining the last two days, um, and that's the rumor. That is that he he's Newcastle he won him. Out. He wants he wants Newcastle. Um, the fans kind of intimidated him um, the other week after they lost to us. They kind of surrounded his car outside mm-hmm. the stadium afterwards. So, um, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't blame him. Um, but I mean, it's a shit show at that club right now. The owners aren't 
the owners are the problem rather than the manager. I think Lampard, <laughs> I mean, not harshly done by because I don't, I don't really rate Lampard as a manager, um, but he was kind of managing in a difficult situation. And I don't know where his career goes from here now after being fired um, in his last two jobs and sort of he's failing downwards. Um, you know, got fired from a big job, got fired from a smaller job. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'd be interesting. But I mean, there are some players at Everton I like. They've got players who, like, I, I've been really impressed um, whenever I've seen Onana, the Belgian midfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks like a real powerhouse and causes real problems and can play as well. So uh, Iwobi has been reborn this season as well yeah. as a midfielder. So Frank, he's Frank there. did that. Got to give Frank credit for that. Yeah, Calvert Lewin when he's fit, um, which is now obviously a good player right now. <laughs> yeah, right now, um, and so there, there, there's some players there, but they just need to figure out what sort of team they want to be. Um, and I guess we'll find out depending on who they appoint. Bielsa is an interesting one because I don't think Bielsa is the sort of manager you hire for a team that are fighting relegation. He's right. a manager you hire in a, in a summer and give him a full preseason because his style of play is so specific and right. takes time for players to learn um, and is high risk as well. So um, to try and throw that at players who are low on confidence in the middle of a season, um, right. who are you know fighting a relegation, that's a hell of a risk. Um, Daish is probably the safest bet, but... Smartest you know, bet he too. Was, he... he was manager of a team that got relegated. I mean, obviously they fired him just before they went down, right. but um, but he also did keep them in the league with a small budget and a you know a pretty thin squad for years. So um, things always come to an end, but his his track record overall is pretty decent. So um, yeah, we'll see. It'd be interesting to this, see who they go this, for. This is this is how bad Everton's board is. So. They fired Frank, right? And they fired him. Meanwhile, they are about to get Dan Juma on loan. And they fired him the day before Dan Juma signed. And then Dan Juma's like, wait a minute, Frank Lampard's not the coach anymore? I was going to go there because of him. And then Spurs gets a whiff of this, hits Dan Juma up, he jumps on a train, goes to London, and signs a loan for them. So the board trying to scapegoat, scapegoat uh, Frank Lampard backfired on them because they lost a signing that could have possibly saved their season because Dan Juma has been a good scorer in Champions League, not just in La Liga. And I don't even know why he's leaving or on loan from Villa Real. It doesn't make sense to me. I think, is it Villa Real? Yeah. Be, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't know what's going on there. That Because they're, I think they're doing decent in La Liga. So I don't know what happened that is like forcing them to put him on loan to the Premier League. But like the board, like you should have just, like last week I was like, just get rid of Frank. But at least keep Frank until the guy signs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like simple shit like that. Like you, you don't have his signature. He's coming in. He's coming in to join his coach, and then you fire the coach. Like your 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 timing of even when you fire people is off. That's how much they get. They got firing wrong. That's how bad the Everton board is. 
and then they lose the player. You needed a forward, somebody who could score, put the ball in the back of the net, and you lose him to Spurs. This basically is like you're going down without this guy or somebody of his ilk. And when is the transfer window closed? Uh, 31st. I don't know what time, but yeah, end of the month. Good luck, Everton. This might because this is a transfer window that is going to keep you up or send you down. This is it. If you don't make some type of move before January 1st, <laughs> it's a wrap. It's definitely a wrap. Well, do you have anything else you want to say? No, I think that's about it. That's about it. Yeah, it's just two of us, and there's not much going on except the FA Cup games and the Caribou Cup games that we talked about. Uh, I also am going to be performing at the Hereafter in Seattle on February 11th, two shows, 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. So come out. It's in Seattle. Let's have a ball. And uh, i got some other shows coming up. Check out my Instagram link tree at Ian Edwards Comic. Got anything? No? Yes? No, good. <laughs> All good. Well, I'll, I'll see you in uh, in America soon, too. So Yeah, February 23rd. I'm uh, I'm arriving for, yeah, 10 days. So that'll be fun. All right, boom. Well, everybody, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Again, like and subscribe and all that stuff. And uh, we'll see you Sunday, Monday. One. Yeah.